Please pronounce your name correctly for me. Yeah, it's Kera Arki. And where are you from? Well, I am based in Prague and Leipzig at the moment. I think that's what's uh, important for me. Okay. And you collect uh, more or less sort of modern and contemporary art, yes? Exactly, yeah. What brought you to collecting? I mean, were you interested in art from a young age? Did your family collect? Like, how did you even come to the the point where you've uh, created an art collection? Yeah, actually, I have to say I was growing up at the art fairs. As a little child, I was going with my parents to art fairs a lot because they are also collectors. And we even had these little games that we were playing when they were acquiring a new artwork and I, I got to pick some of them. And yeah, so my, my, my childhood was, was somehow surrounded by art. But for a long time, I, I didn't think that this will be something for me. Till just till later on, I think in 2014, I started my collection as I was finishing a master in Frankfurt where I was yeah, it was a Master of Economic Sociology, but it had to do also a lot with art and finally learned how art and economy function together. I read a little bit about you and some of your interviews and things like this. And one of the things that you mentioned is about the the mix of art and economy and sort of who to buy in the nature of sort of investing and, and trying to sort of have artworks that will increase in value over time. So is this sort of the way you choose to collect? Because of course there's the, you know, some people collect for the love of whatever, the love of the artist, the love of the period, the style, the medium, um, mm -hmm. versus some other people collect for sort of the idea of investing and future gains. So it, what's the sort of choice that you make? Is it a mix of both? You know, how do you make your mm -hmm. choices? I love all my artworks and it's it's the most important for me is to have a personal connection to the artwork but I think I'm I think it's a mix of both like you say so first of all it's the attraction that I feel for the artwork but of course I have to take care that I also make a good investment in the sense not in the sense that I want to sell it tomorrow and I want to to make a business out of it but the artwork should not lose its value in the future. Maybe if my children would ever want to sell it, I would not want them to have to sell it at at a lower price that I that I bought it with. Sure, certainly. I mean, nobody wants to you know lose their money on their art. They, we all hope that it will raise. I mean, what you know what criteria goes into it so like you say that you you know you've been doing this sort of you've been going to art fairs and looking at art your whole life so like what's some of the the criteria or characteristics that you look for when you're thinking about purchasing a piece of art i have to say that for for some time i've been collaborating with an art advisor and that was very helpful because as you know they they have all the insights and they have databases and they are also independent from all the um, art market players let's say so they can offer you very good advice on the artworks that you buy and how their value will develop in the future and second, of course, every time when, when I acquire a new artwork, 
I make research on or I discuss with the galleries about the, um, the artist practice and how it developed and especially if it's a young artist. So um, I check their CVs, their bios. I, I try to learn as much as I can about the artist as well. All right. So like, let's, I'm sort of thinking, okay, keep in mind, I'm also a practicing artist. I'm also a professor, these kinds of things. So like, I get these kinds of questions a lot, which is sort of like, how do artists connect with collectors? Mm -hmm. So like, how, how, I mean, of course there's, you know, there's, I've also, again, I've read some things with about you, about you. So like you connect through Instagram, of course you connect through galleries and stuff like this, but like, how can uh, a, a, or I guess a better part of that is, is do you only collect sort of established artists or do you mm -hmm. collect young artists that are still up and coming and maybe don't have a gallery yet? I mainly collect artists through galleries, even the um, emerging artists and very young artists. I get uh, a lot of portfolios on my Instagram, to be honest, but it is very, very difficult to, to reach each one of them or to even look at uh, each one of them. And, and then, because you ask me how, how do artists get in touch with collectors? It's, it's, it is through galleries normally. So when I go to studio visits, I normally go to the artists that galleries recommend and then we go together and we have a discussion. Sometimes I, I get recommendations from artists that I already collected. I ask them to recommend me some other artists. And it can happen also like this, that I end up visiting, visiting their, their studio, but mainly through galleries. So if you're an artist who is not represented by a gallery, I think we will get in contact not so easily. And that's, you know, that's the kind of information that a lot of us are like, okay, that makes complete sense. I mean, that is the way the market works. So it sh sort of should be that way in many ways. Yeah, I think so. It's a system that functions this way. And I think this makes it more transparent and more easy, easily to navigate. So yeah, at least for me. When you're working with a gallery and let's say, you know, so the gallery has, you know, 20 artists in it, whatever, mm -hmm. that you're trying to decide sort of which artworks to purchase, what sort of things are you looking for? Do you like, do mm -hmm. you start with, I want to buy photography or I want to buy sculpture uh -huh. or I want to buy, so do you start, like, is the first criteria a medium or is like, what are the things that sort of start you down the path of being interested? Or is it like the subject matter? Like you love things about architecture or human form or whatever. So like, mm -hmm. how do you even like how, what attracts you in the first place to even want to know more than theoretically purchase? Yeah, I have to say I, I do love abstract painting. So I have a lot of abstract paintings in my collection and I normally look for them. And besides uh, this, I also have a lot of objects and installations, like small installations. So this is what I collect more or less. It's not so important, the medium or the technique, actually. It's, I, I don't want to limit myself to one style or one medium, but I do not have, for example, video or performance art in my collection, and I'm, I'm not looking for, for that normally. 
but when I when I am in a gallery or when I'm at an art fair, it's, there is this special connection that sometimes you make with specific artworks, and this is what it is about. What what follows after, yeah, and what it's it's not like I'm looking for a specific medium when I when I go to a gallery actually or when I go to an art fair. Okay, one thing that I've wanted to know a lot about when it comes to collectors, like. I know this is, I'm going to come off, I'm sure, really bad when I say this, but there are lots of artists that make amazing artwork, but let's say they're not the nicest people for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. then there are, you know, really nice people, artists that maybe make sort of mediocre artwork. So like, do you, does the, the nature of the artists themselves make a impact on whether you choose to collect their work or not? I have to say not so much. I, I have to say the artwork is the most important for me. And of course, we all have faults and we all can be rude or, um, yeah, not, not so nice. But the talent is definitely the one which is more important for me when I acquire an artwork. All right. Your collection, how many pieces are in your collection these days? So you've been collecting, you say, since 2014, but it sounds like you probably had some some art in general prior to that. So, you know, six years of collecting, How many, How many? what's the scope of it these days? Yeah, I have to say like around 40 art pieces. I cannot tell you an exact number, but that would be, yeah, more or less. Okay, which leads to the point that, that I'm trying to get to on this one is, is like, I always wonder about collectors, about whether or not they actually like live with and have the artworks up in their homes or whether mm-hmm. they buy them and put them in storage and like <laughs> just wait on them, whatever, until they're valuable or they whatever. So do you have, do you live with all of your work? <laughs> yes, I try to exhibit most of them around my home and my office, but of course it is not possible. So I, I have a small depot as well where i keep some of them and of course sometimes i also lend them to different exhibitions and i also try to change them as much as possible so to to take some that i i haven't seen for a long time and to replace them and so on it's it's impossible to have all of them in 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 the home or to live with all of them and it will become harder and harder throughout time Oh yeah, I I mean even I I'm just an artist and I have artwork in storage that I can't put yeah. in my own. So like I get it. It's a pity because I would love to be able to see all of them. <laughs> well, I mean and that sort of lends to the question like so like are you trying to amass a, 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 a large collection or are you trying to sort of refine a a really beautiful cohesive collection over mm-hmm. time? Yeah, I do not want to to have a big collection. I just want to be surrounded by beautiful objects that inspire me and that make my life better. I don't know, maybe it sounds uh, a bit cheesy, but this is what it is. No, it's not cheesy at all. I mean, it's a great reason. I would be very sad if you got on here and just said like, no, no, I'm just doing it for the money. I'm just investing. I don't really care about it. (laughs) You know, it's all in storage. That would make this conversation very difficult. <laughs> no, no, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely not doing it for the money. And I'm, yeah, I'm just enjoying, enjoying, of course, the art and also the lifestyle. I mean, also 
this big community that is the art world and full of beautiful people and amazing connections and events. I agree completely. I love the lifestyle. I mean, I often <laughs> joke with people that like I didn't become an artist for being art to make art. I did it because I like the lifestyle of being <laughs> an artist. Like, I mean, I enjoy the studio lifestyle and the exhibitions and the openings. Like, the that's opening, great fun. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason why a lot of us get into it because, like, I don't want to work in an office. I don't want to sit in the same place every day and do the same thing time and time again. Definitely. Like, it's way more fun to be in the arts world. Definitely. Yeah. When it comes to the those kinds of events and stuff, so like, okay, I know that you go to a lot of art fairs. Give me like a, a rundown of like, like your favorite art fairs and why. Yeah, well, my favorite art fair is definitely Art Basel, and especially when it is at Hong Kong and Miami. Then I would say Liste, which is more for like young galleries. So it's definitely very interesting. Then I would say maybe FIAC in Paris and Vienna Contemporary is also really good because they really try to focus on the local art scene. What was, what was your other question? Well, the second part of it is sort of like, why? Like, so, I mean, because there are so many <laughs> art fairs throughout the world and, and each of them tries to do something unique and special whether it's you know treating vips special in some way or different yeah. presentations of uh, a, of unique different types or quality of art or whatever like so what are some of the criteria so i mean from your perspective this is the thing that you have to remember or sorry you have to understand you're my first collector i've had on the <laughs> podcast so i've got lots of like collector based questions so like What's the, how are the different VIP treatments different in the different uh, places? Like, do you get previews, you know, before the openings and this kind of stuff? Like, so what are some of the things that sort of attract you as a cure, as a collector? Art Basel, it's just the best art fair. They have the best VIP tours and the best VIP parties. And it's, uh, it's a place where, where I can connect to a lot of people and i also i also uh, like especially um, the hong kong and the miami editions because i love to travel and these are two great places where where i i like to travel of course as a vip collector you you can see the um, the art fair before it opens so you have this private tour and you can take parts in different events that other people cannot take part in. And then you can have more personal conversations with the gallerists. Oh, I know. I've been a VIP in, in the Abu Dhabi Art Fair and the Dubai Art uh -huh. Fair. And the, yeah. of course, those are extremely decadent and over the top yeah. kind of things, you know, where the, the shakes come through and all this kind of stuff. So. I mean, I understand what they are from my own personal experiences, but of course the listener may not. So that's trying to offer something to them. When it comes to like your collection, I guess one of the big things I wonder about is, is like, it, will it ever come to an end? I mean, cause like people joke about collecting being an addiction. <laughs> so so ah. like, is it something that you ever see like, oh, when I, when I get this collection, when my collection looks like this, I'm done. 
Oh, yeah, I, I, I really do not want to think about the end now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't have this feeling. No, I think I will continue it. And I mean, maybe it will be continued also after I will stop continuing it. <laughs> or that's, that's, that's what I hope for. In the long term, do you hope that the collection will sort of stand on its own and potentially like grow into mm -hmm. something that like potentially, let's say, becomes a collection within a museum or something like this? Like what's the sort of longevity hope for the collection? Yes, definitely. I mean, I'm already lending my artworks to museums and of course that will be a very good outcome for my collection. But to be honest, I think I would rather keeping keep it in the family and I would rather hope that my family will continue it as I will take care of my parents' collection as well. Ah, yeah. Okay. So it's growing oh, generation upon generation. Certainly. Yes, yes. But I'm very happy to put it into circulation and to be part of institutions, but I think I, I would rather lend the artworks. Okay. I get it. It's no problem. <laughs> When you're looking at art, because this is keep in mind, a lot of my listeners are also practicing artists, so they're mm -hmm. you know, they want, and, and and a lot, and many of them are also curators and gallerists. So, what, uh, like, when you're looking, how do you assess that evaluation, that value amount? So, like, you know, it's artists always wonder, and even galleries often wonder, like, what's the right price for a piece of art? So as a buyer of art how do you assess whether or not the the value has been assessed correctly or whether you think it should be less or more or whatever yes i mean i have to say i trust the gallerists on this one and i think i will never negotiate an artwork or the price of an artwork or say that it's not it doesn't fit to the to to its value because i'm not the one to calculate these prices and I think when I when I like an artwork, I will accept the price and I will believe that that is the value of the artwork, the one that the galleries recommends. Wait, I'm sorry. So you pay full, like the retail asking price? You don't ask for any discount? Well, sometimes I do, but... I, was gonna, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this because I've worked in art galleries and I know that we build into it between 10 and 20%, depending on the artist. Uh, with the expectation that a collector will generally negotiate a little bit down? It depends. I, I receive discounts, for example, from galleries, which I have collaborated before. This happens very often, of course. And it depends also on what kind of personal connection we we had before. But I I don't normally ask. I don't. I don't negotiate the prices. No, it does. It does not start for me. From me. Sounds amazing. You sound like <laughs> a, an amazing client. I, I wish I had you as a gallerist. It would be fabulous. Yeah, I think I want to respect the the work of the artist and the work of the gallerist. And for me, that is very important. Marvelous. <laughs> now, you mentioned that you would use a, an art advisor. And then that's an interesting topic in and of itself. So how did you find an art advisor? Uh, you know, so like when you're looking to an art advisor or, you know, all the different art advisors possible to, to work with, how did you choose your art advisor? Well, I actually got a recommendation 
from someone so it was very very easy actually and we somehow knew each other so it was a very friendly collaboration and it happened very naturally and very yeah and it, it lasted few years yeah so i didn't have to choose or to look too much Okay, so relationships. It sounds relationships. like it's just sort of yeah. a friend of a friend. You, you. It wasn't like you did a Google search or anything like that. No, definitely not. I have to say that I, I am lucky enough to be part of the art world and the art market. So I have, I have had a lot of relationships even before becoming a collector. So I, I didn't need to make too big of an effort to find my way. I imagine, but you both your family and your everybody probably already had these relations. You just had to say, like say like I'm looking for one, and suddenly a bunch of them popped up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, when it comes to collecting the work itself, you know, a lot of artists sit around and they think like, oh, I can't wait to have a collector because they're going to buy my work again and again, and they're going to be my patron kind of thing. So, the, so for you, for your collection, do you? purchase multiple works by the same artist or do you try to sort of maybe get like a preeminent piece of theirs and that's the only one you want to buy from them yes mainly i collect just one artwork from each artist because i want to have a very diverse collection and i'm i think there are so many artists out there who who need support so but I, I, I do have just two artists from whom I acquired two artworks. And actually, one of them started from a mistake. I was once at an art fair long, some time ago, and I, I had my mind set on an artwork. And then when I received the artwork at home, it turned out to be a different artwork from the same artist. So... <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a very funny moment, but it was at least from the same series. So I have to say I really loved it. So I had to keep it. And then later on, I was um, and I was also lucky enough that it wasn't sold to someone else or it was a nice mistake. And later on, I, I bought also the artwork that I initially wanted. So this is why I have two artworks from uh, Simone 50. Yeah, it's one of the artists that I like a lot from my collection. Okay, so if you had to sit down and look at your collection as far as like the mediums themselves, it sounds like you have a lot of painting. I've also seen even on your Instagram that you have a large amount of sculptures and sort of installation, yeah. small installation type pieces. So if we could break down like by mediums, because like I come from works on paper background. So I'm always interested because people say like, oh, collectors love works on paper, but I don't think they really do. <laughs> To be honest, I I really like the small installa installations or objects because it's fun to find places for them around the house when they are not too big, especially. And I I mean I do have I do have collages as well. I do have works on paper, but I prefer objects and installations and of course paintings. Yeah, it's not my focus. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's my thing is like I go, I've been to some art fairs and every now and then I see like a piece that I'm like, oh, that's really beautiful. And then they say like one of 10, you know, so like it's the question of like as a, a reasonably strong collector, as you sound like you are, that 
do you you don't seem to be interested in like additioned work as much as unique uh, one of a kind yes i am very much interested in unique artworks and this is this is actually very important for me to have this precious object I noticed through your social media and some of the other interviews you've done that you haven't shown your face. Uh, you seem to hide your your face. And so is that because you don't want people recognizing you? I am indeed a very private person. And I think my face is not the one important, but I would rather put emphasis on my artworks and on my lifestyle. And it is definitely not about me. And I like this kind of mystery. I think mystery is also quality of art. So I like to play with it. I quite enjoyed it. Like, cause I, when I was looking you up, I'm like, what does she look like? Who is this woman? But on the other hand, I also thought about like, if you were to, if your face was to be shown in public as like, this is your, the art collector, it, it, people will treat you differently as soon as they see you. Whereas now you've kept this little bit of mystery, so you can anonymously still go to any art event you want, and a lot of the, the, well, a lot of the people that you don't need to know who you are don't need don't know you upon just looking at you. Exactly, and I think yeah, sometimes I do it with uh, galleries and so on. Yeah, I don't immediately tell who I am, or people do not know, and it is it is uh, fun <laughs> somehow. I would imagine it is because I mean I think of like some other art collectors that I know and you know if I were to if I now that I know what they look like were to walk in the room and see them I'd be like oh my gosh that's so and so and I would probably act or treat them a little differently than let's say you since I don't know what you look like I would just have a normal conversation with you because I don't know that you're this you know collector of art yeah, definitely. So when you would normally see someone who you know is an art collector, maybe you would want to present yourself or this is what you mean or, or somehow show your, you, yourself as an artist or? Yes. Or in which way differently? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. And I think it's really nice to interact with people when they do not know. So then you can get a feel of the real person. This is important, actually. I think it's a fabulous idea. I like this yeah. mystery thing you're going with. <laughs> keep, keep it up. Yeah. Keep it up as long as you can. I'm sure somebody will take a picture of you sooner or later. Well, let's see. <laughs> I'm good at hiding. <laughs> You've done it for six years successfully, so that's yes. good. <laughs> Surprising in this day and age. You also publicly wrote a letter and you talked about the investment of male, white male cis artists. Yes. As a general broad sense, I'd say, yeah, what you stated about the fact that basically they're the still to this day, the strongest investment in art. But did you receive any sort of um, backlash or any sort of comments in return to like making such a sort of strong, bold statement? Yes, I have received throughout time, but very little, to be honest, maybe two or three times on my Instagram. People were wondering if I'm joking or something. And I, I, we had some, we had a conversation about it and, but it was always very nice to, to talk about it, I think. And once uh, I was on a gallery tour in Berlin and one gallerist 
was also trying to convince me otherwise or to, um, yeah, we started a discussion about feminism, of course, and about how important it is to support different type of artists. And of course, I do believe in that. I don't think that my interests are contradictory to feminism. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, just to be clear, I yeah. did not see it the way I read it anyways. I didn't see it as that you're mm -hmm. contradictory to anything. You simply stated the idea or you stated what you believe to be the fact that in this day and age, white male cis artists are still the best investment. So it's sort of you're just looking at the data basically at this point. Yes. You're saying that's just the facts of the art world. Those are the statistics, you know, the numbers don't lie the, there's a there's a very old tradition of great masters and i think this is very visible in the art world today and it is i mean male western male artists are definitely priced higher and they are more va more valuable still and if i want to build a collection that lasts through, throughout time i think this is the way to do it for now I'm a white male sits, so like I'm good with it. Like, you know, there's because there there is just this large conversation that keeps happening about like support these people, support these people, blah, blah, blah. Like whatever it is, you know, buy more African art, more Asian art, more women artists. I mean, I have I taught art to Muslim women in the United Arab Emirates. Mm -hmm. And I kept telling them, I said, like, don't do work about being a Muslim and don't do work about being uh, a woman. Do work that is compelling Universal. <laughs> and, and, and aesthetically beautiful, uh, you yeah. know, engaging, whatever. But like the, the less, basically like, I feel like art should be about whatever the topic of the art is, but not necessarily inherently about the artists themselves. And so it will, it will connect with more people in that way versus Definitely. like, you know, like, like I, you know, my position is basically like when my students, my, my female Muslim students would come to me and say like, Oh, this is about being a Muslim woman. And I said, well, but I don't make work that says, hey, I'm a Christian white male. Yeah. So, so like, I find it a little difficult sometimes to always sort of get into work that is specific about a particular subculture of the world. Of course. I mean, I think also as a collector, it's it's um, difficult to get so deep into the background and to the experience of one person or into the topics of a specific region or another or gender or another. So I totally agree with you. I think the most important thing is the aesthetics and the, the power of the artwork. And this lies much more in the artistic gesture than in the context of the artist or in their background. Also, sometimes you, you have artworks with very, very long descriptions, very philosophical descriptions or uh, very complicated descriptions, which 
I don't, I, I don't know so many people who read them fully, to be honest. So I think what is the most, some, some, some artists really put much more emphasis on, on the description of the artwork than on the artwork itself. And I think, yeah, I, I, I'm not the one to judge, but I prefer artworks that can stand for themselves and that have this universality that I can relate to also. Yeah, that that issue of the text versus the work itself. Yeah, I mean, that partly that's a. I think that that's a construct of the contemporary art world, which is that artists, uh, practicing artists, are forced to write grants and residencies and all these other proposals and all these kinds of things, and so the the idea that the that they're very important. I think it doesn't translate to the buying market. Like it may be important to get a residency and to get a grant for them to sustain their practice and all this kind of stuff. But I'm not Definitely. sure that I think that that stuff translates to in the gallery or at the art fair. I don't think there's the need for these massively intellectual and pompous statements yeah. to, to convince somebody of the value of a work. Not at all, not at all. I think in most galleries, anyway, you do not have this kind of, uh, you have uh, short descriptions about the artist and maybe a few words about the artworks as well. But yeah, whenever, whenever the, the discourse in this text becomes overly intellectualized, I, I, I am a bit irritated. <laughs> yeah. And I think definitely it, as you say, it's important for residences or for when you, when you send your artwork to a curator and you want to take part in an exhibition with a specific theme or concept, of course, you have to defend your artwork in this way because, but that's a different world. So than the art market on the art market. Yeah. That's why some artworks function in this kind of constellation and with artists that go to residences and uh, that participate to different projects and some artworks function on the art market and then the artists get to be represented by a gallery and get sold on the art fairs. It's, it's just different targets also. Do you only purchase from galleries or do you also participate in the auctions in the secondary art market? No, I, I don't, I don't participate in auctions. I don't go to auction houses. I just, I just go to the art fairs. I think this is this is the only pleasurable way of collecting art by traveling to the art fairs. I think auction houses are I mean auctions are not are not exciting for me. Okay. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that because, you know, when you buy from the gallery, the artist is getting, you know, theoretically what, fifty percent. Whereas if you buy at an auction, the artist gets in some countries, maybe up to like two or four percent, but generally they get yeah. nothing. So I'm yeah. all for buying more directly, so the artists get more support. Yeah, definitely. This is, of course, another reason as well. Yes. Another thing that I wonder about, because of course, again, I'm a practicing artist, and when I'm making my work, I often sit down and I think, like, should I be investing as an artist in using archival materials or does that even matter what kind of archival materials well that's the thing is like i mean different materials are sort of deemed by the art world as archival versus non-archival kind of things i'm trying mm -hmm. to think like 
I mean, even when it comes to just like the quality of the paint that's being used, um, you know, like theoretically oil paints have better longevity and light fastness than acrylic paints do. I mean, I know the technology is getting better, but, Mm -hmm. you know, basically, I guess the question is sort of like, does the quality of the materials being used themselves, does that affect you or your purchasing in any way? No, not at all. No, I trust that the artworks I I collaborate with with some people who who give me some support on like depositing the artworks properly and taking care of them throughout time. So I I normally don't worry about that. And I think all the artworks I think they they can last quite long if you if you care for them and if you have people who are professionals in this the relationships uh, because again i used to work in a gallery and one of the most difficult things i mean is trying to have that good relationship with a collector so like from your perspective as a collector what makes for the a good gallery sort of in your terms sort of as a relationship like do you want them to preemptively contact you when the new work comes in and say oh there's this new thing that you might love or do you just want to be casually invited and you and then you fall in love with it yourself so like how much um, effort do you want that gallery to put into trying to work with you Yes, I think it's very important to get a reminder from time to from time to time from galleries about of course about their new exhibitions and sometimes I get information about new artworks that I might be interested in and I'm very I'm very happy to to check it out. So I think yes, it's very important to maintain the contact because I I am in contact with so many galleries and I think I I do visit the ones who get in contact with me the most. And also, yeah, so it's important to maintain this online contact as well, because it's like, it's always like a reminder. Okay, which then lends to a really great question. Do you purchase work that you have only seen online or do you have to see it in person? Well, normally I... I do have to see it in person. I never did it until now, but this year is the first time when I have acquired one artwork without seeing it in person. Because of, of the situation, because of the restrictions that, ha- that are still affecting actually the art world and the art market, and since so many art fairs are not happening or are happening just online, I think we have to keep going and like the show must go on so one cannot stop their collection because of a specific situation. Well, but how was it different for you? Like did, did, did the experience of buying online sort of scratch that itch? Like did it suffice for your desires to you know engage with and appreciate art? Or were you like, well, I have to buy something, you know, I need to buy another something. And I'm like, fine, I'll just buy something online because I can't get there. 
No, it wasn't necessarily that I had to buy something. Of course, the artwork was really appealing and I, I really wanted it. And I just bought it online because of a specific situation. So, and then I have to say that the surprise and the joy was even bigger when I received the artwork. So, and I saw it for the first time because I have not, I, I haven't seen it before in real life. So it was, it was a nice experience actually, but yeah, of course, I, I'm looking forward to a time when when things don't have to be done this way. Sure. Now, when, in your collection, because I brought up the idea of like having to buy, like, do you, in your mind, when you're thinking about it, are you sitting down saying, okay, in any given year, I want to collect X amount of works or in any given year mm -hmm. i have x amount of a budget towards the, like purchasing and so i can buy as many as i can within a budget like wh what are your sort of ways of thinking like i want to keep growing the collection but these are my parameters i do not propose myself how many artworks i want to buy this this definitely but for example, if there is one year when I buy one artwork and it turns out to be yeah, very close to to my budget, of course, maybe it will be the only artwork that I would buy in that year. But it depends because I often make compromises. <laughs> so I uh, I can go even over the budget because I just fall in love with a specific artwork. Okay, but you do have a budget in your mind because that, yes, that's the thing. Yes. We always think like as an outsider who's not a collector, we're always like, do they do they just buy anything they want, you know, <laughs> or do they have a budget? Definitely I have a budget. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, so you say you you live in Leipzig and Prague. Yeah. It seems like you sort of travel back. So is your collection sort of focused on just this region? The reason why I say this is because I'm uh, from the United States, but I live currently in Prague. And I find that the Prague art market is not very receptive to outsiders. Now, Germany is much more receptive to, to international artists being Definitely. working yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, I think that the like the German art market is definitely very professional and and international and international, yes. And I mean, in in Prague, there are not so there are not even so many commercial galleries. So, of course, it's a bit difficult. Also, as an international artist, I can imagine. But yeah, my collection is actually very international and. It's it's not it's not based on because I also travel a lot, so I just chose these two cities to live in. But my collection is not based on German art or Czech art. Okay, well, let's yeah. let's take let's take that as sort of a breakdown, kind of an idea. So, like in your collection, where are the what are the nationalities of the artists? Do you have like North America, Europe, Asia, Africa, South America? Like what's your mix? Yeah, I mean, as we as we discussed before, it, I have artists mainly from Western countries, so America, France, Great Britain, Germany. I have one artist from Serbia. Yeah, I cannot maybe now remember all of them. From your perspective as a collector, I would love to hear some advice that you would give to a younger artist. 
So like if they're looking to be in the, the exhibition and collected sort of market versus some other market, like what, mm -hmm. what would you say like for young artists to be some successful in that part of the world? Yeah, I mean, I think the most important, I think one of the most important thing is for the artist to be productive, to have visibility. And I have to see, for example, in a CV that he was active and he had exhibitions and so on. And then the second important thing is to, to um, be part of this world and to get to know as many people and to establish this, this network where he can develop different types of relationships and then finally get represented by, by a gallery. Or if, they, if he is represented by a gallery, then getting in touch with collectors and keeping the relationships with the collectors and just keeping in touch. And yeah, I think this is very important. Oh, yeah. In the end, it's all about networks and relationships definitely yeah it's a very important part of all our uh, jobs as being part of the art market or of the art world even if you're an artist a curator a collector or a gallerist you always have to take care of the relationships you have with the other people around you side note you mentioned the cv and being productive when you say productive, so like when you look at a CV, when are you looking at like, I have a, an old friend that was in, we went to grad school together and he said, oh, I, his goal, his life goal is to basically have a, never have a gap year in his exhibition mm -hmm. record. So like mm -hmm. literally every single year he has at least one exhibition for his entire career. That was his life goal. But I know a lot of artists that could pull that off, but maybe the quality or the, the level of those exhibitions may not be all that impressive. So it's like, are you looking at volume or are you mm -hmm. looking at like the, the, the actual like institutions or locations or the, you know, the curators or whatever criteria that sort of dictates the quality of, a, of a, an exhibition? So is it sort of quantity versus quality? Yeah, I, I definitely don't like these CVs where there's a lot of exhibitions, where there's a very big list of exhibitions and I cannot find myself through it. I think it's really important to make a very specific selection with the most important ones. And I do look at the institutions or the galleries where the exhibition was. And I also, when I look at the CV, I also look at education. And I am interested in the um, studio from which uh, the artist graduated. This is also, this also says a lot about, about his artistic practice and about what kind of trajectory maybe he, he has. Now, that's a fascinating thing because I ran into that first when I moved to Europe. Now, in America, some people, there are certain programs like Yale and a couple others where the actual name of the person they studied under is kind of important. But like when I went to grad school, I went to the San Francisco Art Institute and my professors used to say, do not work like me. You are not mm -hmm. my protege. So, so like in America, my teaching was basically not to say I am from the studio of X, you know, professor. Whereas mm -hmm. in Europe, it's incredibly important what studio you come from. 
Yes, definitely. And it's interesting what you say, because uh, here it is indeed very important. And it says a lot about you as an artist, because uh, it's not necessarily about the fact that you work like your tutor, but uh, to have a mentor who is an accomplished artist, who has a complex practice, it says a lot about how you work and how you perceive art and yeah, more more like this, not necessarily that you will have the same style as your mentor. Don't get me wrong. I understand it and I get it. And in many mm-hmm. ways, I'm slightly envious of the European method of doing this because it does offer a sort of like, not like a guarantee, but like a sort of expectation of, okay, this person has been given the insights and the knowledge of this particular person. And so therefore yeah. they will be theoretically like standing on their shoulders and progressing their, the thought and the medium or whatever, based on the foundation of the knowledge and experiences of this previous artist, mm-hmm. which I did not get. Mm-hmm. It's not too late. I'm not going, I'm an associate <laughs> professor. I'm not going back to school at this point to get a, a, a my own teacher now. Yeah. But, it would, but, but it is an interesting dynamic uh, that, that, that this is the way, because I mean, like I, I think to Asian art, a lot of it is also sort of the master apprentice kind of mm-hmm. learning process and things like this. So it seems like to a certain extent, most education in America sort of, disregards that in many ways, which is an interesting relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Is there any other topic that uh, maybe we touched on that you want to expand mm-hmm. on that we, you didn't get to say enough? I was thinking about asking you a question, if that's okay. Certainly. I'm an open book. Because I, I also did a bit of research and I was checking your podcast and I saw that you you actually... So you have been discussing with curators, with gallerists, with nude models, with different, like with art advisors. And uh, yeah, I also did not find any collector. So I was wondering what made you um, propose this uh, interview or this discussion to me. Oh, that's simple. Collectors are the end all be all. We're the, you mean, artists want to find collectors and i mean you know generally of course we go through galleries and stuff but but we still want to know what the collectors our interests are or their methods or their things like yeah we Mm -hmm. all because i mean in the end we all want to be able to afford to continue to make more art like that's it so like you Mm -hmm. know you know, fame and fame and all this kind of stuff is all fine and good, but realistically, most artists just want to be able to uh, continue to afford their studio, to afford to not have to get another job, to afford Mm -hmm. to be able to buy their art materials. So being able to find collectors is sort of one of the most important things uh, for artists Mm -hmm. in general. And, And I find that they're some of the more elusive people um, that like you, like you like to keep yourself private. You don't have images out there of you kind of thing. Like you like the mm-hmm. mystery and a lot of collectors, either one of two things, either they like to stay anonymous or mysterious, or they're so public about their collections that they are actually very difficult to reach and talk yeah. to. 
So it's it's a very they're, they're very elusive to me uh, in many ways, and every single collector does it in their own unique way for their own unique interests. So there's no you know common collector Definitely. thing. Yeah. But I feel like if I could you know get some knowledge from you know a dozen co different collectors that there will be some common things that you're like oh okay mm -hmm. this thing yeah yeah that that they all mention something about that so i mean i love collectors my, my fam i grew up my family we have a it's not some great collection but i grew up with a uh, Chagall and and Calder prints in the wow. home and 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 Leonard Baskins and a bunch of other stuff like this. So like, and my father's a painter on his free time, and so I grew up around this kind of stuff, and have always had an interest in it. I mean, when I was a kid, my first sort of uh, internship as a child was actually at the Smithsonian in Washington, uh -huh. D.C. I've grown up around this stuff. And, and the one, as I said, the one very elusive one is collectors. Because as I said, either they're very prominent and difficult to reach and mm -hmm. contact, or they're anonymous or, you know, like in your case, mysterious. And so they're also equally as difficult to contact. So mm -hmm. uh, they're, I find collectors to be absolutely fascinating. And I would love it if there are more collectors listening, that I would love to have these conversations with you all. Because you're the ones that in the end make it so we can do what we do. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So without you, I can't continue to produce my work. Yeah, I, I'm I guess that's that's true in a way, but yeah. <laughs> I don't I, I, I don't know if if we if we should give all the all the merits. <laughs> To to collectors. Well, I mean, <laughs> to, of course, to, because yeah. these day these days, you know, I could continue to make my work if I applied for grants or if I did yeah. residencies or other things like that. But those are all fine and good, and I love grants and residencies. But it's much more stable when you are, of course, in this uh, system. When you have a gallery, when you have a collector or or more collectors who are interested in your artwork, then it makes it makes it a bit more stable, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, because it's one of those things like it's sort of a snowball effect. Like once you, mm -hmm. once you get a gallery and that gallery starts to get you into certain collections, then other people start going, oh, so-and-so is collecting this person. Then maybe I should also collect them. And so like yes. it, it becomes a bit of a word of mouth of like, oh, this person is worthy to be in that collection, then we should also be sure to have one in our collection kind of thing. And so collectors yeah. are the the sort of the, almost like the last step because an artist like makes their work in their studio and then they somehow get into some exhibition. So then they haven't probably mm -hmm. meet a curator. And then that curator at some point will somehow introduce them to a gallerist. And then somewhere in there, maybe there might be a book published. And the last step is getting a, you know, good, strong collections to start collecting your work. And that's so yeah. that, to me, like, that's the, it's not a, it's not three, but that's sort of the trifecta of things. Like if you can get mm -hmm. a curator, a publisher, a gallerist and collectors, all with good reputations supporting you, then as an artist, you sort of have, you know, met the, the criteria of, of some form of success. Definitely. That's very true. So collectors are incredibly important to me, but you all are very elusive. <laughs>
so it's an honor to be able to talk to you. Thank you very much. And hopefully someday we'll actually be able to meet face to face. Yeah, thank you also for inviting me. And it was a pleasure talking to you also. Thank you.